Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Brandel Chambly podcast. I'm Jaime Diaz. Uh, Randall, great to have you again. It's been a while, but uh, a lot of stuff's happened. The most immediate yeah, nice thing. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Jaime. It's always nice talking to you. Likewise. And um, we're coming off the Olympics, I guess, most immediately. And, you know, that was quite a spectacle. Of course, we were covering it from, you know, the early mornings in Stanford. But I think I think we got a good sense of its import and its, uh, I think, atmosphere there. Uh how do you feel about the Olympics? Was it a net gain for golf? Uh, did Tokyo help the game? Oh, I think so. Uh, I think it would have uh, brought go- golf into the homes of you know millions uh, of people around the globe who otherwise might not have been interested. Uh, you know, I thought we had some fantastic uh, global performances there. Of course, you know, notable performances by Nelly and Xander Shoffley, but. Uh, to see CT Pan play so well, Moni, uh, Monet and Anami play so well, I thought was, uh, um, you know, was a, was a bit of a surprise to see Aditya Shook, uh, you know, just miss a medal. But, you know, when you think about where she came from, how few golfers there are in India, how few golf courses there are, and the possibility of, uh, of her presence on that, on that, uh, on that leaderboard and almost on that podium and the implications of that, I think are, uh, you know, um, who knows, maybe five, 10 years down the road, we, we will see that. But, uh, but the fact that Aditya Shook, uh, um, you know, to me, she was, you know, okay, so Nelly and Xander Shoffley were the stars uh, of, of golf in the Olympics, but Aditya Shook was, uh, was one of the more pleasant surprises, I think. Yeah, Aditya Shook, in a way, is the main narrative of why we have the Olympics, uh, you know, a prototype of Yeah, the good example. point, yeah. Yeah, which is great. And but I did think that Xander and uh, Nelly's obvious emotion and appreciation for that moment elevates the gold medal uh, even more. I mean, Justin Rhodes had that in Rio, and I think it really does come down to how much the players care. And I think it took a step up, even though the pandemic was definitely hampering the Tokyo Games. I think that. Uh, the way the players took to the Olympics, Rory also take sort of changing his impressions of the importance of them. Uh, I think that was all a real net gain. Just about going forward, do you would you prefer any changes in the format or or how golf is presented in the Olympics? Well, I wouldn't. I you know I, you saw the the typical and predictable uh, Twitter bluster, but that's almost everybody who was making those remarks on Twitter can be can be found making those similar remarks almost every weekend. Uh, you know, they're, they're not happy with it. They want it to be uh, a team event. A team event is a different concept. Uh, the way I understand it is, you know, you can't have a team event run concurrently with an individual event. Uh, they have to be separate. So, uh, and, and you want to, you know, be very clear about what you're asking of the Olympics. Are you asking or, you know, who comes together the best as a team or, you're trying to identify who is the very best player that week. I think the individual format, although maybe it was a, a bit slow in the early process, the fact that people didn't know the golf course, uh, you know, they didn't know what to expect on the golf course. And 
tournaments take a little while to gain momentum, you know, and there was no crowds on site. So you didn't have crowd noise in the background <clears throat> that certainly has a, an effect on the viewing experience at home. But uh, I, I was, I was, I was quite fine with the, the way the event played out personally. Yeah. I like 72 holes of metal play. I know that is considered kind of, um, I don't know, out, outdated or not innovative, but it's the ultimate test. And at the end, it was quite exciting to have the playoffs for the medals. And I just think that, you know, it's the simplest way to present um, the international game because every theoretically every country who's in the Olympics has a chance to be seen on television for four days, which would not be the case if it were match play. And it would be too hard, I think, to have a team event because you'd have to have equal numbers of players on each team, probably limiting that down to two. And then you'd keep a lot of great players from America and other, you know, golf rich company uh, countries out of the game. So it's a practical, I think, decision that has well been well thought out and it works for me. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I saw some people uh, suggesting match play, you know, a match play is, is, uh, it is no way to decide who the best player is that week. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it's entertaining for sure the the do or die nature of it but it is it is um it is far from the best way to decide who plays the best golf uh, over a particular week uh and when you're talking about a gold medal something as significant of meddling uh, i i think uh, i think the goal would be to find out who competed the best that week um you know you know match play would be um you know, I think a horrible way to go about things um, to serve the entertainment needs of, of, of a few people watching. It's like, why are you watching the Olympics to be entertained or to find out who the very best athlete is that particular week in that particular event, which uh, metal play does. And as we know, match play often falls flat as entertainment because too many, you know, top players get eliminated early and suddenly tournaments lose star power and matches are lopsided there's a lot of i mean i love match play when it's optimum but it's not always optimum anyway uh that's good i, I think we give a, a an a to the olympics and uh, that's good for the game i think uh going forward let's talk about nelly corda uh Brandley, you've seen so many great players you you one of your great strengths is you know placing players in historical perspective. Obviously, it's very early for, for Nelly, uh, but she's off to a wonderful start, and she seems to have a tremendous foundation in terms of her abilities. Uh, where do you think she is, and where do you see her going? Well, I think the U.S. Is, has missed out on having a, a dominant player uh, for, well, the better part of 30 years, really. You have to go back to, uh, I think, when you – look at what Nellie Corder is capable of doing the rest of this year. You have to go back to sort of Beth Daniels, uh, Beth Daniels, uh, 1990. I think she won seven times to look for a corresponding season from an American player on the LPGA tour. Annika Swinstam came along in the mid nineties and then Kari Webb came along. Lorena Ochoa came along. They dominated. And, and by dominate, I, I mean, had an extended run more than, two years, you know, an extended run, three, four, five, six, and Annika's place, pace, uh, you know, the better part of 15 years. Um, there hasn't been, like, I, I know Christy Kerr got to number one. I know Stacey Lewis got to number one, but their, their, their runs were, 
terms of dominance, uh, I don't think you'd call either of those runs dominant. Uh, <clears throat> you'd call them nice runs and great play, and they, you know, they they're certainly exciting. But in terms of winning um, six, seven, eight events uh, in a year, you have to go back, uh, you know, to you know, really uh, start talking about Beth Daniels and um, Patty Sheehan, and Joanne Carner, and Nancy Lopez. Uh, and I think uh, the United States has missed that dominant player. It looked like it was going to be Michelle Wee. That didn't materialize. It looked like it was going to be Lexi Thompson. That didn't really uh, materialize. It looked like it was going to be Paula Creamer. That didn't materialize. It looked like it might be Morgan Pressel. That didn't materialize. Um, all of them for different reasons, you know, um, you know, lack of power or lack of touch or, um, you know, too many injuries. Uh, have have beset all of these players. Um, you know, um, as I said, Stacy Lewis and Christy Kerr played some remarkable golf. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a, there's a fellow that I, I know I've talked about this man quite a bit, but it's worth noting that <clears throat> uh, the, in the book, The Whole Truth, a fellow, a fellow by the name of Bill Felber wrote that book. He's a sabermetrics fellow. Uh, and he applied standard deviation to every single major championship that had ever been played. And the most dominant performance in any major championship, by his estimation, by standard deviation, uh, was not Tiger Woods uh, at the 2000 U.S. Open. That was second. That was second to Christy Kerr's LPGA victory if they win by 12 shots. Uh, I realize Tiger Woods won by a wider margin, but in terms of the, the entire field, Christy Kerr's performance was the more dominant. Uh, the single most dominant performance in the history of major championships uh, was by Christy Kerr, and I think that's an uh, 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 underappreciated fact. I certainly talk about it as often uh, as it, it's relevant to what we're talking about. But, uh, but yes, there's been some, some notable moments from players from the United States on the LPGA Tour and the uh, global women's game. But uh, I think Nellie Korda uh, has all of the potential to, uh, to go on and have a sustained dominant run, which would be – which would be great. I mean, purses on the LPGA tour this year were approaching $80 million. Uh, and of course, with news of the, uh, the women's open, the AIG women's open increasing their purse. Uh, um, this is good news to, to see a player who's um, so exciting, but also has power also has massive appeal uh, come along is, uh, is, is great just for the entire game. Uh, in general, but specifically the LPGA tour. Yeah. You know, I'm so impressed with Nellie and she is a bit of a throwback in, in the sense of being this tall statuesque, uh, wonderful technique. It reminds me a little, at least part, at least a continuum, at least uh, in terms of style with Mickey Wright, who, you know, to some people had the model swing Ben Hogan included um, always cited what incredible, uh, you know, sort of grace and, and solid fundamentals that she had. Um, Beth Daniel was in that category too, I think. And used to hear when Beth was, was at her best in her early nineties uh, was uh, any during the eighties that, that she was sort of a, uh, someone who was, was picking up where Mickey Wright left off. And so that's something that I think separates uh, Nellie from the other American number ones. And I, and I think it's great that you've given credit to Christy Kerr for what she did, because she really was an incredible competitor, competitor could get off uh, on great ball striking runs, but was always a good putter. So she doesn't always get the credit, but 
probably lacked the length to be as dominant. And certainly Nelly does have that kind of length. So all these things just make it a, an interesting time uh, in, in LPGA uh, history because the South Koreans uh, have dominated, rightfully so. They've outworked and probably out uh, techniqued the Americans for a while here. But there seems to be a little bit of a lull in, in their moment. And Nelly is, is filling the, the vacuum right now. Not a vacuum, but certainly taking advantage of a slight gap. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, Nelly comes along with, you know, it's been a while since power dominated on the LPGA tour. Although Yanni Sin had a run, but it was a brief run and it was an incredible run. Yeah. But Lydia Ko and MB Park haven't been dominating with power. Uh, Lorena Ochoa did. Um, certainly Kari Webb had plenty of power and Annika Sorenstam did. But when you see someone come along with every facet of the game, the way Nelly Korda does, and I would agree with you, her golf swing, you know, it, it's, it's hard to find its equal in the world of golf today, anywhere on the landscape, male or female. And her transition, her, her, her backswing and then her transition from backswing to downswing is as good as I've, I've ever seen. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything better anywhere in the annals of golf. Um, and you're right. I mean, Beth Daniels certainly did have an amazing golf swing. And it's when I when I look at Nellie Corda, I, I kind of see Beth Daniel and and from a technical standpoint, yeah, I do. I think there's some Mickey Wright in there as well. Well, okay, that's great. Let's uh, let's move on to the playoffs, the, the FedEx playoffs, which we're in the midst of right now. Very often the player of the year is determined by many things, obviously majors mostly, but the FedEx playoff can be the tiebreaker and kind of the determiner. What do you see right now as the player of the year and uh, who would you still put in the mix depending on how they play at the FedEx uh, playoffs? Well, Colin Morikawa and, and John Rahm seem to me to be, you know, the, the, the obvious choices that are, um, you know, by far and away, I think that the two obvious candidates. So I, I think you have that that sort of heat through through the playoffs they have you know three events to sort of distinguish themselves it's unfortunate that rom's dominant performance at memorial was cut short by a positive uh uh covid um diagnosis uh because i think that would have been enough to really put them neck and neck i mean right now i'd say you know maybe colin morcow is is um you know, perhaps got his nose in front, but as we, you know, as we go into the FedEx cup, I'm, I have been from day one laudatory about what the FedEx cup does. It brings the best players in the world together for, you know, almost a month straight of, you know, uh, highly competitive golf uh, late in the year, you know, after the major championships have been played. So it brings a, a wonderful conclusion to the year. And all you need to do is go back and compare the ratings of the finishing events in 2006 to 2007, eight, nine, 10, 11. You can see that the viewership was up by about a third the last time I looked. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, DJ is not in the best of spots starting the, the FedEx cup to be, become the first player as, as hard as it is to believe that it is successfully defended. Uh, he's at 17th spot heading into the FedEx cup, although he was in 15th spot last year, heading into the FedEx cup before he, he went on to uh, to win the whole thing. So he's in a similar spot. Uh, be curious to see if he can sort of summon the game that he had last year. I thought Rory, I'm looking forward to watching Rory play because it looked like his ball striking turned a bit of a corner. 
the last two times I've seen him, I think the, the Olympics was a good spot for him. I think he went over there uh, and was able to sort of get free of the uh, disentangle himself from the overly uh, technical thoughts that were being thrown at him by Pete Cowan. Uh, you know, not a fan of the work that they've put forth. Uh, uh, and I felt like uh, Rory was able to clear his head at the Olympics, swing with a little bit more freedom. And I think that showed up at, at Memphis where he had every facet of the game. It was probably his best week ball striking. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, I'm really looking forward to watching Rory compete through, uh, through the FedEx Cup and see if he can sort of find that form that really has been missing to some extent since he came back from the pandemic. Well, that, would be, uh, that would be exciting because Rory did a couple of years ago, uh, you know, capture the FedEx Cup and it really capped his year and, of course, he didn't really build on it the next year because he has been in a bit of a, again, a lull uh, that's been a little, you know, uh, mysterious to some extent. But, you know, it's, you know, just like with DJ, the ability is there. And DJ clicked in last year and, you know, he won this thing, the Northern Trust, by 11 shots. Um, that was one of the you know great post-Tiger kind of, uh, you know, uh, overwhelming victories uh, on the PGA Tour in recent years. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot uh, that could happen at the FedEx Cup. I think anybody who's won a major who happens to win the FedEx Cup would probably be player of the year, you know, and that, that might even include Bryson, who, who gets <laughs> – I don't think so, but, I mean, he has, a vic he has two victories if you count the U.S. Open and Bay Hill, and if he were to win the FedEx Cup, that would be a pretty good case. Um, so, and Justin Thomas with a Players' Championship, if he were to win the FedEx Cup, he would be in the, in the uh, conversation, I think. So – you know, a lot can happen. I think that's the whole point of the FedEx Cup is to bring things to a head and get people talking about golf at a time right before football where it, there should be a culmination. Um, I agree with you on your assessment of the FedEx. Hey, I'm just curious, you know, we're at Carnoustie this year for the uh, AIG Women's Open. I happen to love Carnoustie, and I've been fortunate, as I know you have, to play a lot of links courses over there. I, I think hole for hole, it's actually my favorite uh, in terms of sort of the interest that it brings to the, to the shots it asks you to hit. I mean, St. Andrews is always the most romantic and I love it the most, but just in terms of golf, I kind of like Carnoustie the best. Uh, and that's probably a minority view, but I love the finish and I love the, the rounds I've had there, I guess. What's your, um, you're now an, an architect and I'm probably more interested in, than ever in, in the great old courses. What's your view of the Rota courses and, and which ones are your favorite? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, my architect partner, uh, Augustine Pisa, I just call him Augie. Um, you know, he's he's he reminds me of Ben Crenshaw a lot. He's got a real artistic nature about him. And he always talks about and and he's brought me along for the ride on this, the, the carousel of emotions, which is really important in the, the flow of a golf course. And that is what I love about St. Andrews is that it does take you on this carousel of emotions where it, you know it sort of builds to this crescendo and then it you know it has this you know, very serene moment as it finishes on the 18th hole um with plenty of opportunity there you know for advancement and very little for catastrophe at the 18th hole but but nonetheless it's 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 there uh what i love about carnoustie is uh and and i wouldn't describe it as taking you on this carousel of emotions quite as clearly as say Muirfield or or St. Andrews, it's it's a brutal test, and it finishes brutally. I, you'd be hard-pressed to find another golf course anywhere in the landscape of professional golf 
that finishes with four harder holes. Uh, the 15th, you know, it's a hard fairway to hit. Fairway slopes left to right. You got to thread the eye of the needle with your approach shot. Um, you got to cross the burn a couple times at 17 and avoid the burn a couple times at 18 uh, with out of bounds just to the left of the hole. It's, it's certainly a compelling golf course. I spent the summer there when I was in college, not at Carnoustie, but in Scotland. And, you know, uh, so I'm not as familiar. I, you know, we played a lot of different golf courses, but only once at Carnoustie. So I'm not as familiar with Carnoustie as I am with some of the other uh, venues. Um, it certainly has the respect of the players. Uh, it, it, you know, it will forever be associated with perhaps the greatest ball striker of all time, Ben Hogan. Um, his victory there in 19, 1953 it will forever be associated with the catastrophe that happened there with John Vandeveld. But I think more importantly, I think it's just it's tremendous. I think that uh, at, uh, the, the women are playing uh, such uh, some compelling and historic golf courses because as they say the venues do matter uh and they certainly do you know i, I can't wait to see this event unfold wouldn't it be nice to see you know a, a closely contested event with three or four players coming to the 18th hole and and having to play that with their with their nerve endings on fire and all of us on the edge of our seats so uh you know i, I think from that aspect it's uh it's a great, it's a great watch. Um, but if I, you know, if I had my brothers over there and you said you can play two golf courses, let's say in Scotland, um, of course you're going to go to St. Andrews and some would go to Carnoustie. Um, and I might, uh, if I was feeling froggy and pretty strong about my game, but otherwise <laughs> I'd go to Muirfield. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches over there. And, and I agree. I mean, Carnoustie doesn't have, sort of the outward charm. Uh, it's it's kind of not just brutal finish, but it's sort of a Spartan gray uh, atmosphere there too. I, but I do, but I've always loved playing there. Uh, and not, I'm not that good a player, but I just feel like, wow, you know, this is really the, the course that hole after hole, you got to think and hit shots uh, in a way that is a little more elevated than the other places to me, even though so many of them are more scenic. I mean, Turnberry is incredibly beautiful. Birkdale too. I mean, you can't go wrong, but uh, I like, I like Carnoustie getting on the, in the, the main stage and getting appreciation. Cause I, I do think it's a little underrated um, as yeah. a place, as a place yeah. that really is about pure golf. It's kind of like yeah. Bandon dunes. I, I love Bandon trails and it's the only one not on the ocean, but it is the course I think hole for hole with Kirk Crenshaw's, you know, genius that just, makes you put you into the game more than the other courses, even though those courses are on classic, you know, oceanside wow. uh, venues. Yeah. I think, I think band of trails, what I think I, I share that view with you. I think what's, what's great about band of trails is that it does take you on that carousel of emotions. Uh, you know, it, it does tease you with holes. It allows you to have some fun. It allows you to get excited. Um, it makes you think you're going to conquer things. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you've pitched it into a bunker from 40 <laughs> yards away or, you know, and, and, and then you feel like a complete and utter fool. Uh, you know, there's this ebbing and flowing of, of a round of golf and your emotions as the day goes on. So, you know, that's, I think, one of the things that Ben Crenshaw and, 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 and core, um, they capture, uh, they get that golf is meant to be fun and it's meant to take you on this wonderful emotional ride. Thank you. And, you know, 
finally, you know, uh, the next time we talk, the Ryder Cup will have been played and we're only, we're less than a month away. Uh, and I just wonder, it's, it's still in a formative stage because the teams aren't picked and, and Steve Stricker's got six picks, but what are your thoughts coming to this Ryder Cup? Obviously there's, you know, there's a COVID aspect to it at this time uh, that's been undecided. Um, it's sort of out there hanging in the uh, little bit of limbo as far as how it's going to be played. But do you feel like this one has any special kind of allure to you as far as what's interesting about it? I think the Ryder Cups are always, uh, always compelling, you know, because, you know, consistently, not always, but consistently the U.S. goes in the favorite and consistently, not always, um, they get their hat handed to them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it is, um, I think it's one of the more fascinating events in all the sport for that very reason. You know, uh, we have talked ad nauseum. I don't, I don't even know how many hours we would have talked about the inability of the U S team to come together. But I think more than that, it's, it's, uh, it's the ability of the European team. Cause when we talk about the inability of the U S team to come together, like, well, they don't have any problem coming together in the, in the president's cup. Uh, it's just the ability of the European team to come together, uh, to rally around their captain, whoever it is, whatever decisions he makes. Um, there just seems to be a greater unity there. And even though I, I, I feel like, and I could be dead wrong on this, but I felt like the, the captaincy, the European captaincy is, it's no doubt that captain talks to everybody on the team. I, you know, I've talked to McGinley a, a fair bit about uh, his captaincy role, but it seems to me that there's a little more autonomy with the captaincy role there and that, yeah. and whatever decision he makes, um, the players are behind it. Um, it's hard to get consensus on, on a topic. You can't even go to the grocery store and get consensus on what type of mustard you're going to buy. You know, I mean, there's just so, so many. Uh, and I feel like the, the U S team is, is always at loggerheads uh, with, with getting proper consensus. And, uh, uh, but it, but it should be compelling. Uh, no doubt. It's a like six picks. Uh, you know, is he gonna, is he going to go right down the list? Um uh, or is he going to try to fill in gaps of, of, of things that he needs when he starts to look at different foursomes or four ball combinations of his players? So from that aspect, this will be the first time that a captain's had this many picks. And so I think from an analyst role, we'll be sitting on the desk trying to guess who he's going to pick, what gaps he's going to try to fill in, um, whether or not he's going to be playing favorites whether or not there is, you know, an, an old boy, uh, good old boy mentality to the picks, or is he's literally going to make the picks for the, for the right combination. It's that, it's that great line in the movie miracle. Um, uh, who was the, uh, the, the, uh, Herb Brooks, Herb Brooks, right. When he, when he was told, uh, these aren't the best players, he said, I don't want the best players. I want the right players. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I thought that was just a great line. And it's like, who are the right players here? Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I think there's some mistakes that he can certainly make uh, in making his picks. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see if he avoids those mistakes, which will probably be, you know, uh, tough decisions uh, for him to make. Yeah. I like the benevolent dictator uh, 
model for the captain. Uh, democracy, uh, it seems like in small groups can be uh, more problematic than just a single leader being uh, followed. But, um, yeah, you, you know, you know when, you, when you, one of my favorite stories about that is, uh, uh, and, and I, I won't name names, but I, I know a fellow who, who ran a club and was once questioned about his autonomy running a club and, you know, the board. And, and he said, well, I always felt like, you know, a board should be comprised of an odd number of people for obvious reasons. And then he said, uh, and I always felt like three was just too many people. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody, somebody's got to make the decision. Uh, and uh, I think that's with six picks, uh, there's going to be um, more scrutiny to the picks than ever before at this at this Ryder Cup, uh, you know, leading up to it, during it and, and afterwards. So uh, yeah. I think it'll be very compelling from that perspective. And we'll have this wild card of the Bryson Brooks uh, teammate situation if they are teammates. So that adds another wrinkle of uh, soap opera drama right now, which I guess makes the, the Ryder Cup even that much more uh, interesting. I do want to say, by the way, that uh, Vivian Player, 64 years married to Gary Player, passed away yesterday. Wonderful person. She'll be missed. Condolences to Gary and his whole family. Um, and yeah, well said. Uh, Brandel, uh, thanks so much. Uh, again, uh, always very provocative, all your thoughts. If, if there's uh, any... Uh, any final takeaway you want to have? Uh, well, I, I'd like to just add to that. You know, I, I, I was traveling yesterday, so, you know, I can't remember at what point along the road when I opened up my phone and saw that Vivian had passed away and read Gary Player's comments and how he fell in love with her at first sight at uh, 14 years of age. Uh, you know, all the traveling he's done all over the world. You forget, you know, to make it in this game. It's such a such a brutal game, you know, in terms of sacrifices people make being away from their family. It's just so important to have a, a, a partner who's, who understands what, what it is to be a professional golfer and to, to hear about, I'd only ever met Vivian one time, um, but just to hear about um, what she meant to the world of golf and everybody she came in contact, it was, uh, you know, it choked you up reading it. Um, she lived a long, beautiful life. It sounded like, and, uh, um, you know, it was, uh, it certainly tug at your heartstrings all day yesterday reading about that. Yeah. Well said, Randall. I mean, she was a lovely person and, and a rock, uh, for Gary, who you wouldn't expect needed a lot of, uh, you know, sort of hard, uh, foundation under him because he's such a tough guy, but, uh, she was crucial to his success and he, he was the first to say so. So thank you, Brandel. Wonderful talking to you. We'll All right. meet again Likewise. next month. Sounds okay. good, Jaime. Enjoyed it. Talk to you later, my friend. Okay, so long. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.